Welcome to Make Possible Bite Size, a weekly podcast brought to you by Permutive, championing change in publishing, advertising and beyond. Each episode, we chat to an inspiring guest about their careers, their lives and how they're making change possible. Let's bite right in. Hi everyone, I'm Maria Campbell, VP of People in Permutive. Welcome to the Make Possible Bite Size, a podcast series in which inspiring people share how they're championing change and making a real difference in their field. We ask three thought-provoking questions of our guests and we'll get their answers to you in less than 10 minutes. Today on the show, I'm joined by Abadesi Osunsade, founder and CEO of Hustle Group and VP of Global Community and Belonging at Brandwatch. Hi, Abadesi. Hey, Maria. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining. Before we go into our questions, how about a quick overview of who you are and what Hustle Crew is and what your role at Brandwatch entails? Yeah, sure thing. So I've worked in tech for about a decade now in growth and product roles, companies like Amazon, Groupon, Product Hunt. And in 2016, I started Hustle Crew, a careers community for the underrepresented in tech with a mission to make tech more inclusive. So we're part community, but we also work with companies to teach them about why teams aren't diverse by default, helping them understand bias, privilege, and structural oppression. Uh, And at Brandwatch, I'm in a newly created role that has kind of been in the planning for uh, quite a few years but with all the events of Black Lives Matter over June 2020 really kind of catalytic moment feeling the urgency to have someone in a leadership role that really owned the company's efforts to be more equitable but also in light of the pandemic and transitioning from a company with global offices to a remote optimized company a real need to have someone focused on you know what it is to be a part of the Brandwatch community in this quotation marks new normal. It's not a very normal new normal, is it? No, Um, it's like a new abnormal wake me up from this nightmare, but I guess it's here to stay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Cool. So let's kick off with our first make possible question. Um, Our guests have found it challenging, and I think we're going to find it hard with just one answer. Um, What are you most proud of? Yeah, that is a tough question. Um, I feel like there are so many things that I'm proud of, but I think, um, you know, this year, Hustle Crew kind of crossed a a milestone of over 200 workshops delivered. And I'm extremely proud of that because when we first started, we didn't even think that workshops would ever be a part of our roadmap. We were just so focused on being a community and focused on creating content. You know, what are the things that underrepresented tech professionals need to know about that relate to the unique obstacles that they face when they're trying to build their careers but we soon realized that was only part of the problem because if we as women or people of color did everything we could to be the best possible candidates it didn't really matter if we would then go into cultures that were toxic or ignorant of things like structural oppression so The fact that we've hit this incredible milestone of like delivering over 200 workshops with tech teams everywhere from the Valley to London and beyond makes me feel like we have sparked impactful conversations about bias, about privilege and about structural oppression. And that's really, to me, what, um, yeah, just like feels really powerful and feels incredible. I think a lot of the time when we think about exclusion in tech or any of the types of discrimination and prejudice, we always put the onus on the group most affected. So often when we think about racism in tech, we immediately start thinking about black people and, you know, the lack of black talent or the lack of black leadership. What's always missing from that conversation is what the gatekeepers are doing. Like, what about people who have the power to to hire people at a board level, at an exec level, even at an individual contributor level? What are they doing to check their individual bias? What are they doing to be anti-racist? Um, so yeah, I think the fact that we've done all those workshops and given people 
an opportunity to embrace the discomfort that comes with exploring individual privilege uh, makes me feel really proud. Yeah, because so much of that is about like moving the discomfort, right? Making your environment stop being a place which is really uncomfortable for women and people of colour to operate in and actually putting the discomfort on their dominant group. Exactly. And that's how we drive change. Like, I feel really strongly that people should feel less embarrassed about the lack of diversity in their team and more embarrassed about their inability to say the word racism or their inability to call out anti-blackness in their policies or, to be honest, even in the media and pop culture they consume. I think if we want to be serious about building equitable habits, then we have to remember that these habits apply not only in the Zoom meetings or like not only when we're like strategizing for the next quarter, it's all the time. Like, you know, if anything, it's maybe even more powerful when we bring it into our personal domain, when we challenge that uh, relative that says some problematic things or when we challenge our friend at the pub and go, wait, hang on a minute. Like, let me check you there. Like, what data do you have to back that up? When we have the courage to start doing that as individuals and agents of change, that's when things are really going to start accelerating. Yeah, yeah. So moving away from actually, why is the pipeline leaky and more like, let's actually patch this pipeline. Absolutely. And I think that's the, the fear is like the risk of failing. Like what happens if I try this thing and I'm ostracized or someone calls me out or someone makes me uh, out to be, you know, political correctness gone mad or anything like that. But I think once we, once we actually start trying, we'll know the real outcomes. And for now, it all just feels hypothetical. Thanks. Our second question focuses on work. What are you focusing on today to move onward and upward, both with Hustle Crew and a brand watch? Yeah, so I'll start with Hustle Crew. I think when I first launched Hustle Crew, I built a no-code platform purely because of my own limitations with engineering. Um, but over the last four years, it's just been incredible, like the rise of like no-code tools and turnkey solutions. So one of the things I'm focusing on is scaling my company without having to scale my team much more. I mean, right now we are, you know, a lean team of about, you know, 10 folks. Um, and what I'm trying to do is increase the number of clients we work with in terms of delivering workshops without actually having to like increase the number of people dealing with those client relationships and dealing with the ops and the admin and the chasing of invoices. So we are incredibly grateful to run off of Squarespace because they're integrated with pretty much everything from Stripe to Zoom to, you know, Google Calendar. So, you know, with the right backend integrations all connected, you can pretty much scale up really quickly, um, leaning into all of those things. So, yeah, on the Hustle Crew front, it's really like automations to support a small team as it takes on new clients. Um, and it's just really fun to see all the cool tools that are being launched every week, really, <laughs> to make that easier. And then I think with Brandwatch, you know, being in a newly created role, it's like hard to not have imposter syndrome because, you know, you really want to live up to this expectation, but the expectation is something different to each person and you're sort of delivering as you're building out that role. Um, and that's really tough. But absolutely nothing new when it comes to tech and startups, right? This is what we do all the time. So what I'm focused on is actually like creating um, shared outcomes and shared metrics that align with the type of investments we're going to make. Because historically, if you think of, let's say the belonging part of my role, what does that look like in terms of success metrics? It might look like increasing representation on your team at different levels. But what happens when you are in a recession and you're actually not hiring as much as you used to? You know, we went from a place of hiring hundreds of roles over one financial year to now maybe hiring a few dozen 
if we're lucky, just because the business environment has changed. So I now need to demonstrate that the effort we're making is still driving significant change. That change just looks super different. So I'm thinking about habits once again, like what are these habits that make us act more equitably, whether we're a recruiter, a customer success manager, a product designer, an engineer, what does that look like and how can we measure that to show everyone across the company, stakeholders especially, um, that everything we're investing in is valuable and is worth it. And then the second piece of that is how do we create opportunities to connect beyond the transactions of our daily roles, right? Because we're not hanging out in the office anymore. We're not having team lunches. We're not like, you know, hanging around, like doing like fun activities on a Friday afternoon. So what's happening is this exhaustion, fatigue and burnout because people have lost this sense of identity that connects them to the company. The only time they connect with it is when they're at a meeting or when they're delivering a piece of work and communities about so much more than that. So how do we foster that in a way that doesn't feel like forced fun, but still creates the spontaneity that we had in the office? Um, That's something that I'm really focused on and, and want to have like a bunch of experiments lined up for the rest of the year in 2021 to see what works. That sounds like such a huge challenge, like rebuilding that that kind of community while being remote during a pandemic, while also making sure that it is as inclusive as possible and gives people the sense of belonging that they need at work. Absolutely. And I think the goal ultimately will be to have like almost a menu of options because people have different challenges when they're in their new work environments, whether that's children or other types of dependents, whether that's like noise issues, whether that's Wi-Fi connection issues. We have to understand that like that level playing field of the office environment isn't a guarantee anymore. Um, So we need to let people basically opt in when it makes sense for them to in a way that also makes sense for them to. And then the challenge becomes, okay, can we free up the resources and the time to make this menu of community <laughs> community engagement things available? Our third and final question for today's show is, what has been your kind of guiding light or philosophy in making all of these things possible through your career? Yes, uh, I think for me it's, always really important to basically like focus on like the positive or maybe even like fun part of like anything even the most difficult thing like I'm a big believer that um the joy comes from the journey like you know not the destination it comes from the efforts not necessarily the solution and I think especially in the kind of work I do community and belonging which compared to other parts of tech like you know shipping code or like you know filling open headcount can sometimes feel a bit like nebulous like uh it's all the more important for me to really like bring people um, into an exciting narrative like get get them to understand like what the story we're telling is and what the story we want to tell is and basically like what the power of that story can be in as positive a way as possible because that's how I can really get people to feel excited and feel engaged a lot of people that operate in my line of work especially when I think of the belonging belonging side can kind of fall a bit too far into like you know lecturing people on ethics and you know make wagging fingers and like you know what's right and what's wrong and uh, you know the unfortunate reality is like we don't have tons of data sets and proven templates for success that we can just like lean into and roll out so that means it does take a bit of like vulnerability to just be like I'm going to try this but it might not work but please let's just you know find find a way to uh, make it happen and, and go from there so yeah just always finding a way to keep folks positive even in the face of failure or even in the face of uncertainty is something that's always been helpful 
Amazing. That was fantastic, Avadesi. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. Um, I really hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Cool. So that leaves with me um, thanking all of our listeners and viewers for tuning in to Make Possible Bike Size. We'll be back next week with another inspiring guest talking about what they do to champion change, think in exciting new ways and make a difference in the world. Thank you. Bye.